want to jump right in because uh, I, quite frankly, um, I have a lot of material to try to transfer to you and not just impart information, but really to impart the word of God and what God speaks to us through his creation. Now, uh, like many of you, when I was uh, uh, a fresh Christian, I was wet behind the ears, just fell in love with Jesus, went forward out of service similar to this, surrendered my life to Jesus at 19 years old. In fact, it's coming up on the anniversary. It was late October um, that I had my, my encounter moment with God personally that changed the course and direction of my life it was a stake marker. My life has never been the same, never been the same. How many of you could say that this morning, that you had a moment in time where you could look back and you're so grateful that you've never been the same? But um, I remember, man, I was so full of faith. I was so full of the Holy Spirit and just, I mean, you could, you could pee in my Cheerios and I would be praising God. I mean, I'm just, I was just that happy, you know? And because God was alive in me, became real to me, uh, the word of God came alive to me, things that didn't make sense to me, like I didn't understand life. How many were there? Like life didn't make sense, I, could, I couldn't reconcile, why are we here? Why is there, you know, evil? Why do bad things happen? All the, all the questions that in our humanity that we wrestle with in our challenge of trying to reconcile our human experience with a divine encounter. And, and yet I just knew in my spirit that God was real because he changed me. He was alive in me. My, my desires changed. My, the way I saw life changed. All of a sudden, starting to read the Bible, it came alive to me. My eyes were open to it. Uh, answers to life were just popping off the page and everything started to make sense. And, and as I started to share my faith with my friends because I was just so excited about Jesus, I had this one friend, probably one of my closest friends in high school, and he was, you know, one of kind of an intellectual type. Like he had to figure things out. Like if he couldn't figure it out, then it just wasn't real to him. If it didn't make sense that he couldn't logically like reconcile it. And, and my conversion to Christianity just messed with him in a big way because he didn't know how to reconcile what happened to me. In fact, in the beginning, uh, you, some of you have heard me share this story that we used to party together. We used to go to parties and <clears throat> after I got saved, you know, he was just, he kind of took the approach of, oh yeah, you found God, right? Okay, well, let's go to the party. You know, like you'll get over it kind of thing. And, and that's exactly what happened. He, he convinced me to go to the party with him and I said, look, I'm changed. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna go, I don't party anymore. I don't wanna do that. Like, I don't even have a desire to do that. He's like, yeah, whatever, come on, come to the party. I'm like, fine. That's what you, you want it proof, then let's go. So he would drag me to parties and we would go to parties. And I'd end up sitting there watching them foolishly get drunk uh, around the keg and talk stupid and do stupid things. And it was quite amusing, actually. It's, you should try it sometime. And, and I would talk to people. They would ask me because I wasn't drinking. So they would say, and they knew me. Some of them knew me. They're like, hey, why aren't you drinking? And I say, because I found Jesus. And uh, some of them just kind of laughed it off like, ah, cool, man. You know, and then walked away and got stoned or whatever. Um, and, but some of them were actually like, really, like, tell me more about that. And so it was an opportunity for me to actually share my faith with some people. And, and I don't remember anybody ever like in that moment getting saved and probably a good thing because you probably need to be in the right mind for that. But, um, but what, what it did do is after, after weeks of this, <clears throat> I remember one day we were driving in the car after college, uh, after one of our classes together and, and, and my friend pulls the car over and he looks at me and he says, all right, dude, like you just, 
what it, what's the deal? Like, what's going on with you? How did this happen? And I, I told him, I said, like, I, I can't explain it to you. I said, I don't know. All I know is that Jesus is real. I gave my life to him. He came into my life. He changed me. I don't want to do those things anymore. I'm happy. My, I've never been more happy in, in my whole life. I've got purpose now, and I'm excited about my future, which I've never been. I stopped taking antidepressants and sleeping pills. I sleep like a baby, and, and life just makes sense to me. And he's like, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. He's like, what about this and what about that? And he started bringing up things and we've all heard it and we all have friends like this. What about the dinosaurs and what, what do you believe? And, and I said, I don't know, man. I don't know about the dinosaurs. All I know is once I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind. And now I see. And I want that for you too. And it began this interaction where we started having discussions and be, me being new in my faith, I didn't know how to answer his questions. But I would go back to my aunt who had been a Christian for a while and I'd say, hey, he asked me this, what do, what do I say? And she'd tell me, give me the answer. And I'd go back and say, hey, what about this? And, and finally I just said, you just need to talk to my aunt. <laughs> you know, just, and I need to stop being the middleman. And so one day my aunt, I shared this with our youth uh, as I spoke to our youth a couple of weeks ago. My aunt sat with Bill uh, at a coffee table in, in her apartment, and for an hour they talked about faith, and he finally got to a place where she just looked at him and she said, Bill, I could lay out facts, figures, everything, and Aunt, try to answer all your questions, but I think you're going to have to take a step of faith for this to work. And I think like many of us, maybe that was you, or maybe you have a friend or a family member that that was the case. And for a lot of things in culture and in our, our faith, that there are questions. And a lot of times in our often demand to know without, with, with certainty, to know 100%. You know, that's a word now. Everybody says, yeah, 100%. Like, are you going to go? Yeah, 100%. I'm there. 100%. Well, for many of us, we want to know 100%. And, and for others of us in the room, we have accepted our faith in faith, but when our faith is questioned or somebody starts asking us questions that we can't answer, for many people, their faith has crumbled under the questions that can't be answered. And so part of what I'm trying to help you with and help prepare our church with, I, I truly believe that we are living in a day and age that the church needs to awaken to a lost and dying world. Like we are losing our a generation, we are losing our young people, we're losing marriages, we're losing people to culture around us that is just posing questions. And for many of us, our faith can crack under a faulty foundation because we have never considered the questions. We've never tried to reconcile them. And so I believe that God created us with a soul and a spirit, but he also created us with a mind. And that the two aren't in opposition together, they, they actually work together. And so the, for years, people have debated and challenged and tried to reconcile science and God. Can they coexist? And many of us, we've seen the coexist, you know, and the Darwin stickers with the fish and the legs on it. and all these things talking about Darwinism and evolution and survival of the fittest and all of these things. And, and 
if we're not careful, we could start treating people who believe in science or that are looking for answers in the world, we could start treating them like outcasts and, and they could look at us on the other side of that coin and say, you're just accepting things blindly and you don't have any real or good answers for some of the reasons that you believe in what you believe. And so I believe that there are so many questions that we could talk about um, between science and God. But, but today, really, I, I, I want to talk to you about just that. The title of my message is Science and God. How in the world did we get here? Science and God. How in the world did we get here? And, and that is the ultimate question, right? That atheists and agnostics challenge Christians with and even uh, some different uh, theories and, and models of how in the earth that we got here being taught in our, our public school systems and in colleges and universities. And for a lot of us, we have this mixture of science and God and believing some of the world and do I believe the Bible and is the Bible literal and is it an old earth? Was it, was it created 64 billion years ago or six million years ago? And all these questions, did we evolve uh, from apes or from you know, a cesspool of some chemicals in a, in a pool or, or was there a big bang and that's how it was all created? And, or, or do we believe the Bible and take it literally that, that the world and the universe and mankind was created in six days. And, and there's this debate, even I have to admit to you, uh, I've done so much research in my attempt to try to bring you the truth uh, of this. And even in that, my brain is about to explode because even within the realm of Christendom, there's so many different ideas and debates, even between Christians on, on what is right and what is truth in all this. And so, um, I want you to know that there are many resources available to you. And I, I felt like, you know, there's way too much. There's way too much that I could talk about on this topic in one message. We would be here for days. And obviously, I don't want to do that to you. In fact, I'm going to try to attempt to do this message in 45 minutes, which it will be a miracle. So pray for your pastor. But um, if you could put the, the list of resources up here. Some of you, I, I would love for you to just take a screenshot. This is over here is, is some of the things and places that I've gleaned from, that if you want to get more informed on this topic, if you want to learn more about it, some of you don't care. You're like, hey man, I got my faith, I'm good, I got Jesus. Um, but some of you, even through this message, you might be inspired to study this topic more. And parents, I would just say, you know, for me, this has been really, really good because it's informed me, so now I can have better conversations with my kids about science and God and creation of the universe and the world. And so I would just encourage you, don't, don't leave it here. But we're going to get in um, to the scripture together. If you could turn with me in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, I'm going to read to you out of the New Living Translation. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, it says this. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, 
and his divine nature so that they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. And we, have a, we see a lot of this in our culture right now. That people, I mean, it's insanity. Sometimes I see and hear things people do and say, and I'm like, what? Like, I mean, you're talking crazy. And this is it right here. When you abandon God and you take him out of the equation, he lets you go to think whatever you want to think, and our minds become darkened, and we become confused about what is truth, what's a lie, what's reality, what's not, what is good, and what is evil. And you see that happening in our culture right now. Claiming to be wise, they instead become utter fools. There are people with Harvard degrees, PhDs, doctors, that have, I believe have become fools, utter fools, claiming to be wise because of this principle right here. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things in their hearts, their hearts desired it. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies, and they traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. That is the guidebook to life. We thank you that we can trust in your word, that it is real, it is truth, it is reality, it is accurate. And God, I pray that your word would go deep within us today, that it would change us, that you right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would open our minds, that you would break down walls, that you would... Uh, destroy any lies that we've believed about you or your creation. Help me to communicate this message that you put on my heart in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 So we have this, this idea that scripture and science, uh, they're, in, they're in battle with one another. And, and just like culture and Christianity, they're, they're in battle with one another. And the reason that we call this message series God in Culture is because you can't separate God from the world. God created the world. He is ever-present. He's omnipresent. He's a part of it. He's in culture. Now, people may not be responding to him, but, but this is his earth. We're his people. <laughs> and I hope to prove that a little bit more to you today. But it's interesting, as you study... Uh, the evolution of science, now don't th get that confused with evolution and Darwinism, but the progression, I would say, is a better word. Now, people used to just believe, uh, in fact, Greek culture and the Stoics and philosophers used to believe that the world was created by a higher being, that, that it, it was transcendent, that there had to be uh, some God or some transcendent being that created and made all this. That was their explanation for it. And, and then as time went on and we learned more about the world and how it was created and science came into play, more and more people started making a shift to move away from the belief that God created, a God created. Now, mind you, in Greek and other cultures, they might not have believed in the God of the Bible uh, like we do, uh, but they believed 
generally, there wasn't a debate over, was the world created by a higher being? They believed that, okay? So there wasn't this competition between, you know, how the world was created. They believed that it had to, be, had to come from a higher power. But as uh, science evolved and progressed over time, in fact, Augustine uh, noticed this trend happening. And I want to read to you a quote because Augustine, uh, for 15 years, he spent time writing commentary on the book of Genesis. Now, the word Genesis simply means beginnings. And the book of Genesis is literally the book of beginnings. It's how the world, the universe was created. It's how we were created. It gives the account from God's perspective of how the world began. And Augustine spent 15 years of his life studying the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. And here's a thumbnail of what he says. First, he said, God has given us two books that reveal who God is and what God is about. There are the book of nature, which is the natural world itself, and the book of scripture, the Bible. They complement, listen to this, they complement one another. And both scripture and the natural world reveal God's truth as both have God's hand on them. Together, they speak a single truth and they are at the deepest level in accord. So here's the first thing that I want us to understand. Scripture and science don't compete, they complement. Scripture and science don't compete. We're, they're not in competition with each other like the world and culture would want you to believe. That the scripture is contrary to science. They, they can't coexist. They're two different ideas. That is not reality. That is what they want you to believe because I personally believe, and, and if you look at many, like I did, many of the, the people who research and study this for a living spent their entire lives studying this. There are many people that start out as atheists or agnostic, and they move into a place of faith because they can't reconcile how in the world we got here from an amoeba or nothingness. And we'll talk about that in a little minute. But, but before we do that, I thought, you know, this is a pretty heavy message. And um, I love Nacho Libre. And any, any opportunity I have a, a chance to bring in a little bit of Nacho Libre, I, I want to I play this Nacho Libre clip, and you'll understand why. That's one way to get baptized. If anybody wants to get baptized like that, come see me after. I'll hook you up with a little bowl baptism. That's a funny, it's funny, but it, it's true. We think people that believe in science, you know, they can't believe in God. And, and there's this big conflict in this war, this battle between those who believe in science and those who believe in God. And I'm here to let you know, one of the biggest things that you have to understand is they're not at war with each other. They complement each other. They're not competing against each other. They're complementing. In fact, 
what I learned in my research is that the more that we find out about the universe and the world, the more that it actually complements the Bible and it complements the story of creation. And so we're going to see that. But I love Francis Collins is a former director of the National Human Genome Research Institute studying human genes and DNA. And he had this quote. It says this, one of the greatest tragedies of our time is this impression that has been created that science and religion have to be at war. And I love that because this is not true. So here's, here's the truth that I want to help us understand that these are two different ways to look at the world, but they're not in competition with each other. They complement each other. Here's why. Science seeks the truth about our natural world. Scripture reveals the truth about our supernatural God. I'm going to say that again. Science seeks to reveal the truth about our natural world. Scripture reveals the truth about our supernatural God. Now, uh, I was reading about one of a Christian uh, scientist, physicist, who was talking about the, this problem. And he said, Here, here's the problem. If you are a, uh, atheist or agnostic, you're trying to reconcile science from a point of view that there is no God. Therefore, everything is natural. You, and, and therefore, you're going to seek to find answers to this world and in science through natural means. But can I tell you that there's an element to all of this that it is supernatural. You cannot get away from the fact if you even uh, look at the stars, if you, if you do research about the universe, and if you look uh, at the findings of the Hubble telescope, and how they've looked at galaxies and they're finding new galaxies and new worlds uh, beyond even the Milky Way and the vastness and the bigness of our universe. That, it, that when God said, let there be light, I believe that light is still emanating. It's still going forth. It is still creating galaxies and worlds and, and wonders. And so we are not, science and scripture are not in competition. They actually complement each other. Albert, Albert Einstein would say this, science without religion is lame. Religion without science is blind. That's from Albert Einstein. And so what I'm going to attempt to do is, in, in a brief time, is give you three, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, three of the best reasons to believe scripture and the account of uh, of the universe and that the first one is this you have to look at the account of creation you have to look at the account of creation science tries to explain creation through natural means um, in other words this is how we come up with Darwin comes up with natural selection and uh, evolution theory uh, and the flaw in those theories is that something comes from nothing like the immaterial matter becomes, or inorganic matter rather, something that is a blob that, that is in this cesspool that starts out very simple, over time has evolved into something very complex. And something that was an inorganic material has become organic, in other words, living material. Now, I don't know about you, but in my humble opinion, again, it takes a lot more faith to believe that something comes from nothing. That, that doesn't even register logically with me. And so what I want us to do is to get our reason cap on a little bit and, and think about these logically for a little bit. And the first and the best argument that I could find for creationism is the cosmological argument. 
the cosmological argument. The cosmological argument says this, uh, and, and really the question behind the cosmological argument, cosmological is the study of the cosmos, of the world, of the universe. And so behind the cosmological argument is humanity trying to explain how we exist, how all this exists, how we got here, how space, matter, and time came into being. And, and the cosmological argument says this, there is a fundamental principle in science. Now scientists and, and culture will try to tell you, well, just look at the science. Where have we heard that one before? I mean, even in the last couple of years, there was a lot of things that happened in the name of science that wasn't really science, it's pseudoscience. It's, it's man's idea of what science is, but they want to tout science, but then they don't go by their own science. And, and it doesn't even make sense. But the foundational or fundamental principle of all science is this. It's the law of causality. The law of causality says this. Everything that has a beginning has a cause. In other words, something cannot exist on its own. Now, a lot of science who are atheists and agnostics, they would want you to believe that all this exists on its own, that it just was self-existent. And this is a very humanistic, materialistic way of approaching origins and the creation of the universe. It, it really goes back to believing, and, and honestly, it goes back to the very first and original sin, which is this. There were two trees in the garden in God's creation. One was the tree of life. It was represented the relationship when God is God and we accept God is God in our life, that God sustains life, he gives life, uh, he is the author of love, of peace, of joy, and everything that we need to sustain and exist in life. But there has to be a choice in order for us to choose and love God that loved and created us. And so God put another tree in the garden and he called it the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what was the very first sin, an original sin, when the, when the enemy of our soul, the great deceiver, he came to Eve, and, and, and how did he approach Eve? He said, did God really say? Did God really say? He questioned God's very words to them, and he questioned, did God really say that if you eat of the tree of the knowledge and evil, that you will die? And Eve started out pretty good in the argument. She said, yeah, he, he did say that. But then the devil comes back and says, no, listen, God is holding out on you for he knows that if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, your eyes will be opened and you will become like him, knowing good and evil. What he was really offering as a temptation to her was this. And this is the same temptation that I believe that we find in science today is be your own God, that you can exist outside of God. You don't need God. In fact, eat off this tree and you will have knowledge. You can have knowledge and we have made knowledge a God. We have decided we want to be our own God. Therefore, the world is self-existent. We're self-existent and we don't need God to be a part of it. We can decide because we have knowledge, we have science, what is good and evil. And therefore, we can make decisions in our life aside and apart from God. But let me tell you, there was somebody that said this, true knowledge is knowledge by causes. I would say that is foolishness. Think about it. 
Nothing doesn't come from nothing. Something comes, something doesn't come from nothing. Something has to come from something. There has to be a cause. There has to be something that started something. Think about this even logically. Think about anything in our world right now. Anything that comes from something is born. Um, my wife and I, we have five kids, uh, praise God. And I could tell you, uh, contrary to popular belief, a stork didn't come and surprise us one day and bring us a baby. Like, that didn't happen. Like, there was some things that had to happen for that to happen. Praise God that God created us that way. Can I get a good amen? <laughs> Nothing didn't come from something. Like, some two people came together to make this happen. This is the beauty of, of creation. But something has to come from something. There, there has to be something to exist for something to create something that exists. So this is the the Cologne cosmological argument. It states this, and this is it. This is the argument right here. Number one, everything had a beginning. Everything that had a beginning had a cause. Everything that has a beginning or everything that exists has a cause. Number two, the universe had a beginning. Now, 99%, this has been proven uh, through many different factors, but... Um, there's been many different scientists over the years, and the Hubble telescope was actually very instrumental in finding that uh, this red shift or light, by looking at light and how uh, light is coming back to Earth, uh, just like the Doppler effect. The Doppler effect is sound waves. And when you know that something is moving away from you, why? Because the sound gets dimmer. You can't hear it as well or you know something's getting closer to you because the sound is greater well similar to the Doppler effect in in light studying light uh, what the Hubble telescope found is that there is this red shift blue light means that it's hotter which means it's closer red light means that it is further away it's cooler and so what they found is that the universe there is this red shift that is coming from the universe from from uh, you know, space, and, and what that tells scientists is that the, the universe is expanding, it's moving away, and, it, and it, so there was a, a creation, there was a beginning to it. It didn't just happen, it had to begin, there had to be a certain point where there was a genesis, a starting point. Because the third thing says this, Therefore, if everything that has a beginning has a cause, and if the universe had a beginning, then the logical explanation is in, um, in philosophy and in logic, you have to build logic. This is how we can reason with things and understand things. Therefore, here's the conclusion. The universe had a cause. Something had to cause all this. Something had to create all this. Now you could argue, well, that doesn't mean that the God that you believe had to do it. Well, no, but where do you look to if something outside of this world created all of this? How do you reconcile there isn't a creator who had a plan, which leads me to the second thing that I think that we can, we can really put our trust in uh, in these arguments is divine design. Divine design. Now think about this for a second. When you look at everything in the world, if the world was created by a creator outside of it, 
if you look at the complexity of our universe and the world that we live in, you have to, you have to agree that this isn't a, a simple thing. <laughs> How many would agree with that? If you've ever studied biology, if you've ever studied science, if you've ever studied chemistry, if you've ever just looked at creation in the world, there is no way that you can look at all those things and say, this is a very complicated, intricate uh, a universe and earth that we live in. So I wanna give you what is called the teleological argument. And the teleological argument for divine design or intelligent design states this, number one, Every design has a designer. Would you agree with that? It's like if you look at a watch, and you know, I have an Apple watch, and so you could take that, but I prefer, you know, a watch that actually ticks, and the insides, you open it up, and the insides, and you can see the mechanics of the watch. If you've ever taken uh, an old-fashioned watch or a uh, old-fashioned pocket watch, and you've opened up the insides, and you look at the insides of the way the watch was designed to be able to tell time and to keep time, it's fascinating. Just like looking at the inside of a watch, if you study the world that we're living in, there's no way, in my opinion, that you could look at this world and say, yeah, this just started with this clump or blob of nothingness. And it, beca and, and it became this complex, very intricate, detailed design. Every design, just like the watch, has a designer. Number two, the universe has highly complex design. The universe has a highly complex design. Number three, and here's the conclusion, because those things are true, therefore, the universe has a designer. In fact, Sir Isaac Newton, who is very well respected in the science world and circles, had to say this. He said, the most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. Did you hear that? That's worth an amen. Maybe you're just in awe. I don't know about you, but you don't hear this in our culture. You don't hear this from the science community. They don't allow things like this to be present because they want you to believe that science is in contradiction to the Bible and your beliefs. And I'm here to tell you they're not. It's a fallacy. Study these things. The second thing that we can look at in divine design is this. It's the anthrop anthropic principle. Anthropic is study of humans. And, and the anthropic principle is basically says this, that cosmological constants that make human life, they're, they're the cosmological constants that make human life possible on earth. Now I wanna read you a few of these because this is just fascinating to me. I wanna read you a couple of those constants, if, if I may. You guys doing good? Okay, the first entropic constant is this, oxygen levels on earth. On Earth, oxygen comprises 21% of the atmosphere. That precise, precise, key word, figure, is an anthropic constant that makes life on Earth possible. If oxygen were 25%, fires would erupt spontaneously. If it were 15%, human beings would suffocate. Level, um, and so that's just oxygen, okay? Number two, atmospheric transparency. This is the degree of transparency of the atmosphere is anthropic constant. The atmosphere, if the atmosphere was less transparent 
Not enough solar radiation would reach the Earth's surface. If we're more transparent, we would be bombarded with far too much solar radiation down here, and we would all fry up. Remember that next time you go into the tanning booth. Anyway, atropic constant number three, moon and Earth gravitational interaction. This one regards the gravitational interaction that the Earth has with the moon. If the interaction was greater than it's currently, and that it currently is, tidal effects on the oceans, atmosphere, and rotational period would be too severe. If it were less, orbital changes would cause climatic instabilities. In either event, life on Earth would be unstable, impossible, and unlivable. Number four, carbon dioxide levels. If the CO2 levels were higher than it is now, a runaway green effect, greenhouse effect would develop. We'd all burn up. If the level were lower than it is now, plants would not be able to maintain efficient photosynthesis and we'd all suffocate. Uh, number five, gravity. If the gravitational force were altered by 0.0000000000000001%, our sun would not exist and therefore neither would we. Talk about precision. If that isn't enough for you, I could go on and on and on and talk about the centrifugal force of planetary movements, how the universe has expanded, the laws of Phoenix, water vapor, Jupiter, uh, all these things, the thickness of the Earth crust, and so on and so on and so on. But I just want to, I want to uh, just bring that all. I just want to bring that all together and say this: that it, um, this is why an atheist scientist, Sir Roger Penrose, he calculated the likelihood of the universe having this precise of a design, and he came to this conclusion. Are you ready for this? Are you, are you ready? The odds of this happening by accident would literally be 10 billion or so to the 123rd power. What that means is this, that there are 10 billion times a one with 123 zeros behind it, that's an incalculable number. It is impossible to put down. If you took all these zeros and made them this big and stretched them across the world, they would stretch across the entire galaxy and continue. The odds, the odds are that you're more likely to win the lottery and 10,000 times, 10, times in a row to win the lottery and get struck by lightning every time you cash in your ticket. Just saying. That's why, again, an atheist, the late Christopher Hitchens, called this the most compelling argument for the existence of God. Psalm 19.1 complements science by saying this, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to what? Speak. Night after night, they make him known. The last thing is this, the origin of life. We could talk and debate the origin of the universe, of the earth. We could talk about, is the earth 460 billion years old or is it 6 million years old? And let me just say a note on that. I believe in the Bible. The Bible is the authoritative word of God, unquestionable. However, uh, many people have noted that our interpretation of the Bible and our interpretation of science is what sometimes brings confusion. And a lot of people, is the earth, is it young earth, is it old earth? And there are many science, science, scientific proof that the earth is more than six million years old, and there's dinosaurs. And this is my opinion that we, 
and our Christian response are, are trying to stay on the literal what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1. However, let me point out something to you that I think is very important. That when God created the heavens and the earth, time as we know it didn't exist. Therefore, one day in God's time of things can be very different to what we know as one day in our time of things. So when God created the earth, if you go through the account of Genesis chapter 1, that God created the universe before he created time because there was no sun and moon. How we tell time is the sun and the moon rising and setting. That is a day. Well, he created the universe before he created the sun and the moon. Therefore, one day in, in God's terms could have been billions of years. Think about that. I just put that out there because uh, sometimes I think in our effort to justify scripture and the Bible, we put our stake in the ground with things that we lose credit in the scientific world, not that we have to prove everything. Because let me tell you this, God will not allow you to have 100% certainty. He will never allow science to 100% prove that God is real. Why? Because it takes this thing called faith. The Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. It says that faith, now faith, is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things that we can prove by science, that we can see with our natural eyes, that we can reason with our natural mind. No. It is the evidence of things unseen. Therefore, it takes faith to come to God. The last thing I want to get to you is this, and the third point is uh, uh, for creation, is the origin of life. So we could talk about the world, we could talk about creation, but when you simply look at the origin of life, like how did human beings come about? You could talk about Big Bang and all that, but how, how did human beings start? How did we exist? Going back to the argument before, we, we can't come from nothing. Nothing doesn't come from something. In fact, I, I love this. I, I, I want to read this to you. It's in Mark Batterson's book um, called Whisper. And, and it says this. He's talking, here it is. Let there be light. These are God's first recorded words. This is God's first recorded miracle. Light is the source of vision. Without it, we can't see a thing. Light is the key to technology. It's how we can talk to someone halfway around the world without so much as a second's delay because light can circle the globe seven and a half times a second. Light is the first link in the food chain. No photosynthesis equals no food. Light is the basis of health. The absence of light causes everything from vitamin D deficiency to depression. Light is the origin of energy. In Einstein's equation, E equals mc squared. Energy, E, is defined as mass, m, times the speed of light, c squared. The speed of light is the constant. And light is the measuring stick for space and time. A meter is defined as the distance traveling by light in a vacuum during a time interval of 1, 299, 792, 458 of a second. Light is the alpha and omega everything, and that includes you. Did you know that embryologists, embryologists study embryos. They study um, conception. Did you know that embryologists have recently captured the moment of conception via fluorescent microscopy? What they discovered is this, that the exact moment sperm penetrates the egg, sorry parents, I know that's awkward, the egg releases billions of zinc atoms that emit light. Sparks literally fly. 
That miracle of conception is a microcosm that mirrors God's first four words. Let there be light. I want to show you a picture of what this looks like at the moment of conception. Let it sink in. I'm going to end with this because we can talk about this all day and we could debate science and scripture and talk about all the different theories and all the different arguments. But I didn't get saved because of science. I got saved because of a savior who took on flesh, who came as a man and walked the earth because he loved you and me so much. He didn't come to debate science. He came to save broken humanity from their sin and from the fear of death and to open up a new and living way to have a relationship with him. And when I was looking at that picture of conception, I was reminded of my firstborn son. And I'll never forget it. Just like many of you will never forget it. And I knew, you know, that someday my heart was I wanted to be a father. That's, that's all I wanted to be. I wanted to be a dad. Daddy, I wanted, I wanted to have children. I wanted to raise them to know Jesus. I wanted to have a loving marriage. And I wanted to follow God with my life. But I'll never forget driving to the hospital that morning in the dark. My wife and mom-in-law were upset at me because I took a shower when she was in labor pains instead of just throwing clothes on and jumping in the car. I thought, you know, hey, we got time here, right? Like, this is a process. But I'll never forget all the excitement and all the things that you think leading up to that moment. But I'll never forget the moment. You can turn the lights down. I'll never forget the moment when I heard that baby cry for the first time. And even more so when the nurse handed him and put, put him in my arms and I got to sit and look at my son. And I got to look at his beautiful eyes and in that moment I knew what it felt like to love somebody so much. For the first time, I felt the heart of God for me. The Bible says that God is crazy about you, that he formed you and shaped you in your mother's womb, that he knows every hair on your head. He's actually named them. He's named you and that he's worked in you his purpose and plan for your life because he loves you and he wants you to follow him so much. In fact, Paul in Acts chapter 17, when he was addressing some of the philosophers of the day and he laid out creation to them. But if you could put up the very last verse of that passage of scripture in Acts of the Apostles in, in verse 17, the very last one in that passage of Acts 17, it says this, 
for in him we live and move and some translations say have our being this one says in him we move live and move and exist and as some of our own poets have said we are his sons and daughters this is who we are I couldn't think of a better way to end this message than to declare over you Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25, and ask you if you would stand to your feet as we close in worship with song. Because I don't know any better reaction to this than to be in awe and wonder of God who created all this and created you. So Isaiah chapter 40 Verse 25 and 26, it says this. I want to read it over you. Isaiah 40, 25 and 26. Thank you. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings you out of the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and might and strength. Not one of them is missing. This is the God you serve. So right now, would you just take a moment to lift your hands to the creator of heaven and earth? Would you just begin to thank him? Thank you, God, that you love us so much. You made us, you formed us out of the dust of the earth and you breathed your very breath of life into us. You sent your one and only son, Jesus, to pay the price for our sin, our guilt and our shame so that we could be in relationship with you and we can love you the way that you love us. We give you now our worship as a sign of our love.